Thank you so much. So I'm going to jump straight into sharing my screen so that you look less at me and more at my presentation. Um, what I have found when I've been running webinars on Zoom is sometimes my presentation is moving really nicely for me. It doesn't move for other people. If that happens, let me know in chat, please. Alrighty. So first thing I want to say is didn't this um, title get outdated fast in the last few weeks? We're not really in post-COVID, we are in the midst of COVID. And so as I talk today, I want to touch on some of the challenges that we're having right now and some of the ones uh, that um, we might need to plan for. So, tiny bit about me because I really do want to get into it being about you. Um, full service, strategic creative agency, more than 20 years on the board, um, strategists, designers, writers, developers, that's what full service should mean to you if you're recruiting um, a team to work with yours and your school. Sheila mentioned this before, this is really important to us. We exist to make a meaningful difference to people's lives. We didn't come by this purpose um, lightly. We went through a really rigorous process to really define our purpose and our values. This one sits so well with us because if we're not making a meaningful difference, then we don't really feel that we are connecting with our clients and their audiences and delivering the values that they need. So because of this purpose, this puts us squarely in the schools market, um, working with terrific people like yourselves. And these are just some of our clients um, who we've worked with this year. So um, some of them are joining today and thank you in advance to um, Julian from Redeemer and Lucinda from City Point, who are also going to share a little bit about today. So why do we love working with schools? I've already mentioned the shared values and the fulfilling purpose. I love the passion that's in your stakeholder groups. And while that passion sometimes feels like uh, a burst of unwanted energy, if they're a very energized group of parents or alumni, for example, you can harness that passion and that's exciting. The other thing that really draws me to schools and I'd have to say to our other clients who are across more of that social sector, um, aged care, uh, community uh, focused organizations is that whole idea of growth. And then that uh, necessarily means that there's ongoing growth that we can leverage for you. I wanna say this upfront, you're not like any other market. Schools really do set, uh, sit in on their own in terms of the challenges that you've got ahead of you. So volatile and changing market, you might have come across um, the acronym VUCA before. It stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex and Ambiguous. And that is one of the best descriptions for the year that we're having. The interesting space for you as schools is that teachers and schools in general are used to presenting a unified, comfortable, relatively unchanging space. And what have you got this year? You're thrust right into the middle of it. Uh, that means that as marketers, you've got a really important role to play in terms of soothing, comfortable communications. We're going to talk about that later. You've got invested multi-generational stakeholders. Uh, you've got a bucket load of crisis management. Usually I'm preparing schools for the one-off 24-hour news cycle from hell and the crisis plans reflect that. Now, how do we learn and pivot our skills to manage crisis comms over days, weeks, months? I'm actually going to touch on that later. Uh, I think that's an important topic to raise today. If you're a boarding school, you have 24 seven customers. And if you're a day school, you've got pretty close to that. You're heavily legislated and in the marvelous tradition of marketing everywhere, you have limited resources. Somehow with the number of markets that you're reaching and the emphasis on growth that falls on marketing and admissions, um, marketing seems to be particularly under-resourced in the school sector. So what are we doing today? We're going to cover off four topics and here's the process that I want us to take. Um, short sharp bursts of learning and by short and sharp I mean that I'll be short and sharp so that you're not listening to me the whole time. We're going to have a poll for each topic because this is your chance to 
vote and to see how trends are emerging, we're going to have a group discussion. So uh, that will mean going into breakout groups for about five minutes. Then we'll have a bit of time of Q&A. So in your breakout groups, um, you'll be appointing one person who's going to put their hand up um, by using the reactions bar down the bottom. Uh, you can actually put your hand up and then Sheila's going to call on you so we can have a bit of Q&A. Also, all the way through, please ask questions. Um, post them in chat. Sheila's going to help me keep an eye on them. And at regular times during this afternoon, um, we will answer some of those questions or as many as we can. Finally, the whole value of these events, the SIG events, has been the opportunity to network and to meet. That's why we're having four lots of group discussions and then there's going to be open networking time at the end. It's not about me, it's about you. And the really important thing about this afternoon is peer learning. So I'm looking forward to hearing that those groups were really robust and people were really open and sharing their ideas. To me, that's the whole value um, that's being delivered by this this afternoon. So let's go. How can school marketers respond to a post-COVID world? And these are the topics that we're going to cover off. New loyalties. Sad to say, our clients, our, um, our school communities are not going to be as loyal as they were. Multi-channel ingenuity. That's going to be the requirement on each of us. Innovation with shrinking resources. And according to Icentia that released a comms report today, which is terrific, um, they agree that what we really need is truly great communication. It's not going to be about the best creative. It's not going to even be about the best channel choice. It's actually going to be about the warmth and integrity of your communications. We'll talk about that today. So, new loyalties. So our VUCA world, remember I said volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. Um, that VUCA world of COVID, pre, post, pan, COVID, means brand loyalty is going to be really easily tested. The sad truth is that those schools who have gone into this COVID environment with strong brands, they're going to fare a little bit better than those who didn't have a strongly distinguished brand presence. But during any major economic shock, regardless of the strength of your brand, money is going to speak loudest. So two facts are going to hold true. Number one, price matters within your sector and it should influence your marketing strategy. And number two, price will override any of your normal sector loyalties. So according to ABS payroll data, um, top income families in about March, April, during this crisis, they were doing okay. But the families at the very top of the affordability scale and the very bottom of the affordability scale for private school fees um, were doing it the toughest. Among the hardest hit are going to be school families who are running small businesses. Coming back to my slides here, this is what um, the researcher John Black says happened in um, the recession and also in the GFC. To save money and to keep the family home, higher fee independent school parents will choose lower fee independent schools. Lower fee Catholic independent schools and local independent state schools or high SES state schools. You'll also see that the lower fee independent schools and Catholic schools will drift off to the state schools. They might think it's temporary, but once they're there and their kids find friends and settle, they're going to stay. So this is a quote from John Black. We should bear in mind that the GFC ushered in a decade long year on year market share drift from the higher fee sections of the independent school sector and the Catholic sector. So that is worth noting right now. This isn't a month or two months or one year program that we've got ahead of us. It could be that this is a market shift and drift that's going to last many years. So how do we work against that? I said before that uh, if you've got a strong brand, you've gone into this with a fighting advantage, but it's not to say 
uh, that it's not possible to find new advantages. So how do we do this? Pre-COVID, we know that it was hard enough for independent and private schools to stand out from their competitors. So for example, when I've worked on Sydney's North Shore, there are five prestigious, excellent girls' schools within a few kilometres of each other. And I know that that's the case in many parts of the nation. I'm thinking about BBC in Brisbane, Grammar, um, quite a few excellent GPS schools all within a few kilometres of each other. Post-COVID, the good news is that everybody's been destabilised. So just because you're feeling the pain, you can rest assured that the school next to you is also feeling the same pain. So how do you differentiate? Some quick tips. Number one, start with strategy. Actively define how you want to guide your brand's success. And it starts with knowing what you stand for. It is amazing how many school ELTs can't clearly articulate what it is that sets their brand apart. So that means that you need to get your team together and you need to be workshopping this and getting a rock solid agreement among the senior leaders about who you are, what you stand for and what the brand positioning is that you're going to hold that's unique to every other school around you. How do you do this tactically? You look different. Um, through visuals and photos, you sound different by developing a unique brand voice. Uh, you make sure that you are studying your competitors. It's always surprising me when I ask for a school's competitor analysis and they can tell me about the prices or the number of buildings or the number of students, but they don't understand what the brand difference is. What is it that sets their school apart from the ones around them? Finally, tell stories about your school that are unique to you. You have the most fantastic opportunities to tell stories because nobody else has your students and your staff. And that's something that you can celebrate. By brand-centric experiences, what I mean is play to your strengths and what sets you apart. So something that I've seen as a move um, across schools at the moment during COVID is that those who just had one online day, oh, sorry, one open day, moved them to several online, and now they're offering them ongoing more frequently because they know that they can't just um, have one appeal a year. Others I've seen have moved from the big events to online and now to daily private tours for as long as that can happen. That's a really good thing because you, tip, you will be um, subliminally tapping into your um, parents' minds and saying, we understand the contagion risk. We're not going to have a large event. Let us just welcome you personally and we will personally walk you around the school. How else can you do a brand-centric experience? Let's say your school is renowned for its music program. What about a virtual choir for your school community? Something that's fun and engaging and gets everybody along online and safely. Um, I've seen a couple of principals do Facebook Live addresses. All of them were good public performers, I have to say. So again, play to your strengths. Um, Marist College Ashgrove, I'll give a shout out to Kelly there, um, who had the fun idea of countering the doom and gloom and anxiety during shutdown. And the headmaster and the deputy um, posted a fun video challenge every week. And I really loved that. I thought it went really well and the engagement was really high. And that was a terrific idea. Um, explore parent insights. Don't assume that you know how your parents are going to behave now or in six months time or at the beginning of next year. During a VUCA, uncertain kind of environment like COVID, they're going to shift regularly. Have in place different ways that you can measure that affordably. Um, obviously your school should be doing um, sentiment insights, parent sentiment surveys every year. Make sure your marketing has a, has a voice into those and some questions to ask. You can also be exploring parent insights through surveys, through focus groups. I strongly recommend in-depth interviews by someone independent from the school who asks the same set of questions, uses the same discussion guide a couple of months apart with members of your school. I would also be looking at measuring how your brand is operating in the public eye not just within the bubble of the school, but how the broader community is perceiving you. Finally, the school sings from one song sheet. 
For those of you who were at the Educate Plus Queensland conference last year, which was a terrific event, there was this fun thing that we did on the afternoon, I think of the first day, where we all had a drink in hand and we all stood together and we had music in front of us and we sang for an hour. And I'm not going to say we were beautiful, but there was something really lovely and fun about everybody having fun, having a bit of laugh, the sopranos warbled, the basses boomed, and we sang from the same song sheet. And at the beginning, we felt separate from everybody. At the end of the hour, we felt together. When your school, your staff, your parents, your alumni, um, your leadership, your kids all share the same brand, vision and values, that's how it feels. It's lovely and it's contagious and people feel it when they come into your community. So, time for our first poll. That's enough talking from me. Um, Sheila, thank you for launching this. Rank one to 10, how well you think your brand is standing out. Pretty good results. So, a couple of honest answers there, fives and sixes, um, saying that they don't think they stand out that much among competitors. But by and large, people are saying they give themselves an eight out of 10 for how they're defining their brand um, and they're standing out and being different from other people. There's one 10 there. I love that. That is good confidence. And I don't think that that person, whoever it is, would have had that confidence if they didn't have the data to prove it. So if you do want to make sure that your brand continues to perform really strongly, um, start to look at some of that data, some of that measuring that you can put in place that's cheap or free. Do it frequently and just make sure that you're measuring well as you keep going. I'm just putting a note in chat, just reminding you, please, if you've got questions, um, put them in there. Happy to answer them as we go through. So speaking of questions, um, we're going to go into um, small group time. But before we do, Lucinda Gray um, is a member. She's online with us today. She's actually been a client of mine at City Point for several years. This year, um, when we were talking about how we can boost brand loyalty and solve a problem that was happening within the school, and it's common to all of you, um, they began running an internal comms program. So Lucinda, can I get you to unmute? and kindly tell us about it. And thank you in advance. I know you didn't want to do this, but I really appreciate <laughs> it. Fine. Uh, look, um, yeah, thanks for asking me. It's been wonderful working with you for sure. Um, I want to start out by saying that a lot of these ideas are still progressing. You know, it takes a long time to um, action things uh, in a school. So some of them are still ideas. Uh, some of them we're waiting for big posters to be printed to put up in the school, um, but some of them have been actioned and it's really nice to um, get some feedback on those. So our main issue has been we are um, a lower fee um, independent school and we had a lot of bleed out of our year sixes um, who wanted to go to the more elite schools for secondary. Um, often these parents have decided by grade two, three or four that their child is going to go to um, some of the higher fee schools that have the um, outstanding um, educational results. And of course, that means that these kids who have been so well prepared, they often win these scholarships because they've been so well prepared at our school and they leave us. So we wanted to improve um, this retention. Um, so a few things that we've done. So many of you would have seen our ICANN um, marketing campaign, which we um, have done thanks to Suzanne and uh, New Word Order. Um, and so a lot of the um, external marketing um, billboards, bus shelters, um, online platform, uh, everyone else sees, but our own community doesn't. And so we're in the process of getting some of those printed up to put around the campus to remind our families of why they chose City Point in the first place. That is also based around um, and working with our alumni. So where do our year 12s actually go when they leave the school? And we've had you know, lots of success in um, quite a few areas. And so we've got these ICANN banners. So these little kids dreaming of being an engineer, well, stay here, we've got great engineers. You know, a surgeon, we've got great surgeons who come out of our school. So just reminding them um, of the values of our college and all the way through from prep to 12. Uh, so, 
again with our year sixes in conjunction with our enrolments team. Um, we asked the principal to personally invite our high achieving extension year six students to sit the scholarship tests, so some of them weren't going to. Um, and because uh, that now gives us some leverage to retain some um, at our school who may otherwise go elsewhere. One of the things that's been a great project that we've uh, that we're almost ready to launch, we've filmed a quirky questions video. So we're going to be showing this to our year four, five and six children and parents. Um, and so we've got some year seven kids and year 10 kids and put them in front of a, uh, a nice backdrop, you know, and ask them some really different questions, not just what's high school like, but are the teachers nice? Where do I eat my lunch? What sports can I do? What's the best food at the canteen? And so you get these um, uh, fabulous responses from these kids. Oh, and we realise that curry pies are the favourite, you know. So um, some really good uh, um, copy in there that's just real, raw and authentic. And uh, we're going to be showing that to those, those students to really encourage them to explore the secondary school. Um, yesterday, for example, our year six students uh, were taken up to the secondary science lab. So what are these, what does our secondary offer that the primary kids don't have at the moment? And so, you know, the dance room, um, the engineering uh, facilities, the science lab where they can do all these excursions. So taking the primary kids up to see what are they missing out on if they don't come here? So really creating that FOMO in the kids because, you know, the research shows that the kids are really the ones who are deciding uh, where they're going for high school. Um, our high academic students are able to go up to the secondary library and borrow books from there that are uh, really extending them um, academically and that makes them feel special as well. Um, implementing other experiences, so science lab drones, virtual reality, those sorts of things. Uh, we've also found out that there's a bunch of our parents in the primary school who have never taken a tour of the high school. Um, you know, it's on the same campus, but it's kind of across a little creek and some of them haven't even had a look. So the COVID um, situation has meant that we've been able to produce some fantastic uh, virtual tour options. And so we've encouraged those primary parents to have a look uh, at the secondary school and some of them are really surprised. So we're really trying to change their minds. Um, so I think that's really, yeah, the main things, but we're really excited about launching this uh, quirky questions video. That's been a real, uh, real highlight. But enough. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this when I put you on the spot. That's all right. So what I love about working with City Point is that we've had such a trusted relationship for so long that we can have some open and frank discussions um, and the team and I can work together and say in a fairly trusted way, look, here's my insight, here's my advice. They can add in theirs and then they develop these terrific projects and run with them. Um, it's not about saying, hey, we've got this covered. It's about this spirit of continuous improvement, which I really love. So thank you, really appreciate that, Lucinda. Um, we're gonna go into our small groups now. They are um, random breakout groups. Um, that are organised by the Zoom gods. So what will happen um, is you'll go out into your group and you'll have five minutes and I want you to answer that question. What projects can you focus on this year to boost brand royalty? Um, towards the end of it, the countdown will happen um, and that's your warning that you're going to get sucked back into the larger group. Remember when you're together, appoint a spokesperson. So, and when you come back, um, I'll invite those spokespeople to put their hand up and we'll call on a couple of them to share the kind of ideas that came out in your group. So let's go. And we're back. Thanks, everybody. I'm just going to reconnect to our screen. And the people who nominated to um, speak, I'm wondering, can you put your hands up and maybe, Sheila, you can choose a couple of people to share their ideas? I just saw that uh, Marissa got nominated. Yes, I was nominated. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't, we forgot to nominate someone, but I'm happy to um, share what we spoke about. Um, I guess the central theme for us was focusing on storytelling um, and showcasing 
<laughs> what it was that um, you know made each of our schools special. Um, and yeah, we talked a bit about that quirky questions idea, which was we thought was really good. And video content, asking kids, you know, what do you think your teachers are going to do over the holidays, and getting those kind of like that things kids say type of thing to really engage with the children and their personalities. So um, yeah, that was the main theme of our conversation. Nice. Um, in my group, um, which had. Um, Ruth and I'm trying to think some of the other names that are in there, um, Alison. Um, I noticed that we had a mix of internal and external brand ideas. Um, and I actually did ask, and I hope she says yes, if um, Chantille would mind describing um, what she did. Um, yes, I did try to say no. I didn't want to be eliminated, but it I didn't write on the countdown. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I guess what I was just sharing was that I was actually really new to St. Ashula's here in Toowoomba. Um, and so I was only here for, I think it was probably about six days before COVID hit and we were meant to have our annual open day at the end of May. Um, so I actually had to kind of move our entire open day online um, and we got that up and running sort yeah. of in that same six weeks time frame and then was actually able to now make it an always open day. Um, and so that actual content that we put together, which was really hard to film an open day when you have no students in a college, um, but it was really great to be able to bring that together. And now we can use it as an always open day or virtual tours that's helping our boarding um, initiatives quite well. So, And that's what really um, took my attention when you said that it was really powerful for your boarding community, um, because I am finding with um, some of my boarding clients that that's a real challenge, uh, particularly those who have lost international students um, during the COVID crisis. Absolutely. And I think with that, um, from our perspective, it's actually just giving those families the chance to really absorb what is the experience here. Like it gives them sort of more than that 45 minute, two hour sort of tour there, but it actually gets them a chance to see it and feel it while they're in their own home and consume that in a more comfortable environment. Yeah, very clever. Thank you. Um, no questions yet, so let's jump into our second topic. Thanks everyone for sharing, by the way. Um, we're going to have three more of those discussion groups. I hope they're really useful to you. It's about sharing those things that are working for you and the practical ideas that as marketers we initiate within our own schools. So thank you very much. So multi-channel ingenuity. What do I actually mean by that? I guess where I'm going with this is that it's impossible for school markets, um, or for school marketers, to not be running multiple channels at any one time. Gone is the time that you could put a couple of hundred thousand dollars on outdoor and then sit back and watch your school enrolments come in. The world is way too complex for that. So I have called this going wide to go deep. And the truth is that you need to have a mix of channels um, that suit your market and are where your market um, are playing and where they're looking and where they're spending their time. So mix of earned and owned. Um, even if your budget um, isn't cut, think about how you can increase the uh, membership of your own social channels. And if your market, your media spend budget has been cut, this is even more important. Have a think about where you are posting your messages. Now, I know that Facebook is a massive um, amount of all of our work. Um, but if you think about what social media is doing at the moment, it's actually a bit of a toxic mess that's increasing fear and instability. Um, are there other channels that you can amplify so that you're more of a voice of hope and calm and positivity and intent? Um, I will have a little chat about though um, with media spend. I know that with most of us, um, I've had feedback from not just clients, but from other Educate Plus members as well, that one of the first things that happened was they either lost staff from their marketing team, so they lost um, team hours, 
or they lost budget or they lost both. And that's really tough when there's so much emphasis on marketing, uh, having responsibility for bringing in enrolments and sustaining the ones that you have. So I just wanted to share with you a story um, about marketing uh, advertising spend. And I will share um, this link with you after we're finished because it's a really good article to share with um, your leadership. It was in BNT recently and it tracked the success of businesses that emerged from recession and GFC according to their advertising spend. So I note it wasn't schools, but we're just going to draw a bow across all of markets and just say these are some things that we can learn. And it showed hand over fist that the businesses that kept um, spending on advertising came out of the crises faster and those that spent more during the crisis actually increased their market share when the crisis was over. So it's pretty compelling evidence um, in BNT, and I will share the link with you, that says that the more money you can put on spend, the better your school is going to come out of this. And just a story, Kellogg's is a great example. So in the Depression, Great Depression in the 1930s, Kellogg's was the only brand that actually increased um, its media spend, which I guess back then was what, signage point of sale and traditional advertising like print, newspapers. Um, but they were the only brand in marketing US that significantly increased its spending all the way through the Great Depression. People thought they were crazy. Everybody was cutting back. They kept increasing. They even introduced a new product. Kellogg's then went from a behind, um, not very well-known company to leading the cereal category in the US for the next four decades. So a story to tell your leadership team if it helps. Um, no more eggs in one basket. I alluded to that before. Um, when your resources are limited, it's really easy to think that your options are limited and it's not true. Um, your strategy needs to be integrated. It needs to be wide ranging. You need to be able to give attention to multiple channels and the channels need to be the ones that really do matter to your audience. Um, tip tools to avoid repetition. There's smart, free, low cost ways to make your content go a little bit faster. Um, Hootsuite, uh, Mediagar, tools like that, where you can share and rewrite and tweak your content across multiple channels, set it up. You don't have to have it in front of you all the time. Um, I'd also be encouraging you to look at open source APIs. There's a heap of APIs that are built between um, HubSpot and different platforms so that you're sharing data more easily and you're um, limiting some of that admin cost to yourself. Um, I also am a huge fan of the Digistorm um, platform and I think they're doing a really great job of creating a platform of integrated tools. And I know there's a heap of you who are using them. Um, benchmarking your data. I think using a benchmark from out of COVID and using it to guide your marketing now is ambitious, but it might not be um, relevant for the market that we're in. Go back to what I was saying about brand loyalty. If brand loyalty is out the window and people are fearful and change brings more change, then I would say benchmark your data out of this year and use it as your guide for how you can tweak. Um, your digital agency should be able to help you set those benchmarks. And if you're using a really good one, they should be able to actually give you benchmark across a number of schools in your city or your region. Um, that benchmark then becomes your business case to go back to your leadership team as well. Finally, test and retest. So remember VUCA, our market is changing rapidly. Um, have a look at split testing. Um, all of your digital channels should allow this free of charge. And you should be doing that on some of your internal comms as well, like emails. Go back to those traditional marketing um, capabilities that we have of testing imagery, um, headlines, calls to action. It's worth doing those little things to try to get the maximum return from what you're doing. So now time for a poll. I'm really interested in this one. All of us are after conversions. So we're after that form fill um, that gets us 
um, the person who wants to come and visit the school or does the online tour and wants to register. So the question is, um, what is the channel that's delivering you the best conversion? Please vote and it'll be interesting to see what we answer. I am not surprised at all. So radio, I'm surprised there's no catch up TV. I wonder if it's because we're not using it or we don't realize that it's a great opportunity. Um, for some of my clients outside of the school's environment, um, CapChap TV is working an absolute treat and the cost isn't too high. Uh, Facebook, not too far ahead of emails and website channel delivering the best um, conversions. I imagine there's some SEO or some AdWords um, that's driving traffic to that website. Great, really interesting. Thanks very much. Appreciate you um, sharing those, that knowledge. Alrighty, on to our question. Small group time. Which tech tools are you using to curate your message across channels? Um, Sheila, I don't think this needs a long conversation. Let's say three minutes. Um, and when we come back, make sure that you have nominated someone who can share the channels that are being used in their group. Let's go. Thanks, everybody. And we are back. Let me share my screen again, get us all situated and put your hand up. If you don't remember how to do that, it's in reactions down the bottom and you can put your hand up and Sheila can call on you. Um, but I'm going to pick on Megan first because she was in my group. Um, she was talking about how um, they've been using the Digistorm products for a couple of years. Do you remember what the particular products are that you're using, Megan, what they're called? Yeah, we, um, we launched a new website about 18 months ago now and um, as part of that we also signed up. Um, we were actually long-term clients of Digistorm. We already had their app, um, but with a new launch of our website, we decided to um, take on their enrol and funnel model. Uh, module, sorry. Um, and they've actually been really successful for us, um, particularly this year, like the first six months of using it, it's just sort of identifying um, what sort of trends we were seeing. But now sort of 18 months on, it's been really good to be able to see, particularly over just COVID time, um, to be able to see um, one, um, a lot of our inquiries coming through and what percentage are obviously converting um, through to enrolments, but also just tracking to see how enrolments are going year on year. Um, we really did see that big drop um, from COVID, but actually now coming out of it, our enrolments in July this year are much stronger um, than what they were 12 months ago. So um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really good tool for us. And also obviously the automation as well um, and being able to send out um, email campaigns has been good too. That's fantastic. And there are a couple of other people who are talking about campaign monitor in my group. And um, I was briefly saying that if you're not in the whole Digistorm platform, um, it's a fairly, it is a very cheap way of being able to do basic email automations as well. But I love that Digistorm has got that integrated um, sales funnel now, really helpful. Anybody else, Sheila? Um, well, we have a question in there from Marissa who said that they're looking at redeveloping their website and has anyone used the Digistorm website product EduSite? Or Ed's, yeah, EduSite. Uh, I personally haven't. I know a few clients who have. Megan, was that the product you were using? You're on mute, sorry. Sorry, we, um, we didn't. We used a local company to do our website, um, someone um, within our, in our area. Um, but we did look at EduSite. We just decided to go with someone local at the time um, who could basically deliver the same thing for us. Um, my only uh, comment about EduSite, and you know I'm a fan, so I'm not bagging the product at all, um, is I haven't seen a lot of brand differentiation. It tends to be a fairly similar modular product, which is smart business for them. It doesn't necessarily give you a visually distinctive product. Um, it's worth looking at working with um, designer agency, whoever you work with, to at least do the um, wireframing um, the user journey and the design of it and then hand it over to Digistorm if that's who you choose. We did that with Morton Bay College and Morton Bay Girls College in the last couple of years and it gave them a really beautiful visual product that's really stunning. Um, Digistorm built it beautifully but it's still fully integrated with all of their platforms. So that's one way of getting around it as well. 
All right, thank you so much for asking that question. Really appreciate it. Let's go on to our third one, which is innovation with shrinking resources. And isn't this um, an appropriate topic for us as marketers? Um, I've got a couple of ideas here um, that I'll put to you. Try something new. So any of my clients will know that this is one of my mantras and I bring it up every year. What are you going to try new next year? What, what are you going to change? It doesn't mean throwing out everything. It just means putting something in your strategy that's worth trying. Um, a note on tweaking your strategy, though. Make sure you're running to something, not running from something. There's a big difference. At the moment, uh, it would be easy to run away from the pain of COVID or to run away uh, from um, difficult parents and just try to isolate them or, or make noise over there. Much better to have a strategy that actually runs to something. So that way you're planning for, for success uh, rather than just avoiding the pain. Um, making data your power source. I always laugh when I say this because I went into marketing because really, truly, I was never going to go into something maths or science related. But the more that I work with um, schools on strategy, the more data-driven I'm becoming. Um, for me, what it comes down to is always having a really good understanding of your normal metrics, so enrolments, waitlists, registrations. But if you are just waiting for those, those are lag indicators. Um, it's a bit like um, me waiting to look at my bank account to see if my business is being successful. If I haven't been tracking quoting, um, invoicing, my sales leads, um, my network way back, um, then I'm left with a lag indicator that I can't change. So have a look at what your lead indicators are as well. It might be social engagement, might be uh, measuring complaints. Um, obviously, you also want to be keeping a really good idea, or a good look on your Google Analytics and what's happening on your website with form fills. Um, I would also say evaluate as well, something that's really easy to get lost um, in the midst of the busyness of marketing um, is not evaluating. So keep evaluating. How did this go? Um, you know, what would I rank it out of 10? Um, what was the community engagement like? Um, what went well? What didn't go well? That gives you the kind of knowledge and transparency that you can be sharing up into your leadership team as well. This third point, I'm an absolute advocate on. Marketing is one of the very few tools across any business, not just schools, that is linked to growth. And for some reason, CEOs, principals, um, wherever, whatever industry you're in, they don't necessarily see it the same way. Marketing absolutely should be on the ELT of every school. But where it's not, and more frequently it's not, then make sure that you align yourself with a champion. A lot of marketers uh, will answer up through to the ELT, perhaps through the business manager. If that's the case, that is your primary internal stakeholder and you need to be bringing them on board and making them your loudest and proudest voice on the ELT. Why do I bang on about this? It's not about elevating you as a person. It's actually about being able to influence the business functions and the brand execution that happens across the school so that the business goals and the marketing goals of the school are aligned and you are delivering on the business plan. That kind of alignment at that top strategic level, incredibly critical. So if that's a, a pain point for you or you're not really in the position of power that you need to be, um, perhaps that's the something new that you might need to try. Um, this is a simple one. Go modular with your columns. So this is a time hack from me, a writer, for the past 30 years. There is going to be content that you write over and over and over in your school. It might be a description of your school. It might be your key benefits. It might be um, a nice little paragraph that sums up your purpose and your values and your mission. Um, set up a playbook and cut and paste these into there. That kind of repetition never gets old. You're going to use it in your website. You're going to use it in a, um, an ad that attracts somebody to your school. Set up some of these hacks. I'm not big on reading the same things over and over, but for your key messages and your absolutely critical information, 
um, go a little bit modular. Finally, invest in strategy and templates. So full honesty here, I'm a business owner um, who is deeply grateful for the work that I've done with schools and for the investment that they've made in my business growth over the last 20 years. I'm also a business owner. And I know that if I keep as many skills in house as I can, I'm going to keep my own operating budget down. So I'm a complete realist. And I think that in a COVID environment, um, each of you is wise enough to be very frugal and judicious with the way that you spend your money. Having said that, I think that there's three areas where it's still worth investing in external help. Strategy, for people who actually specialize in strategy, Brand, because brand is a specialty all of its own. Um, if you have an internal designer, I can guarantee you they're not going to be a brand specialist or a brand designer. Um, it's a specialist skill and you want to invest in a little bit of that so that your internal teams can execute it. The final one is creative development. There is no reason why you can't um, procure a campaign through a creative agency but say we want the development and then we want the templates and then you execute it in-house. That's a great way to have the quality of the external suppliers, but maintain the cost effectiveness by being able to do it in-house. So let's go back to our voting again. Just a simple yes or no question. Do you try something new every year? Majority of us, 86%, are trying something new every year, that's fantastic, well done. And 14%, um, hopefully what you're doing is delivering you such excellence um, that it's no need to change around. I'm just gonna jump onto, um, before we move into our small groups, a couple of comments that have come onto chat. Um, from Anita, Wondering, based on the last poll, whether you can clarify with the website conversions what people are using to drive to the website. That's a really good question. I mentioned that I thought it would have to be SEO or AdWords. Um, anybody else? Do you want to come off um, mute and talk about what you're using to drive people to the website? If you don't come off mute, I shall just pick on you. The other one that we wanted to talk about is the timing file. So I'm happy to share um, what we're doing. So thanks, Marissa. Uh, since January, we've started. We've partnered with News Extend, which is a, a group out of News Corp, um, to yes. do some digital advertising. So we're doing um, the the PPC pay per click uh, and search advertising with them and call tracking as well to track the quality of our leads uh, and that seems to be working pretty well for us right now but we've obviously got to do it for a little bit longer to see the results. That's great, thank you for that. Um, I've had a few clients who have put their toes into the water with News Extend before they had um, I guess enough data and market knowledge to go a little bit more um, targeted. The News Extend will only put, my understanding, Marissa, and correct me if I'm wrong, they'll only put ads in their own products. Um, so if your market's not there using the products, it's not going to work. Having said that, I live in News Corp products, being an ex-journo, um, and I've been really impressed by a Stuart Home ad. It's just a sticky static um, that gets served up on um as a leaderboard um in my news feed every morning and it's this very simple static it was prepared in-house and it just says private tools are available all the time that's really good targeting it'd be better if i lived on the side of town that i could send my kids to steward home so that's not quite perfect but in terms of me being the right market they've got that right we're going to go into our small groups again, and this time the topic is, how are you working smarter and not harder? Um, again, we're just going to go for three minutes, Sheila. Let's go. Thanks, everybody. We are back again. Um, our team, our little group, um, had some great ideas. Um, one of them is cutting up content in different ways, um, writing that's written content um, slightly tweaking it, rewriting it, cutting it, editing it so that it's, it's fit for cross-platform 
and can have different lives. Um, I also mentioned that if you are engaging a videographer to do some video work for you, make sure they give you not only the raw files, but also give you um, a two minute, a one minute, a 30, a bunch of 15s. Um, you can ask for that. It should not cost you much more time, if any. Um, and it's a really cost effective way of having more to share and to use. Um, Julian Schubert, one of my favorite gentlemen, my children <laughs> played Redeemer. So um, I've had three kids go through Redeemer, one's graduated and the other two have been there since prep. And as a parent, I love the fact that my Facebook feed, my emails, um, my app notifications, there is a, an order and a process to the way that content is shared at Redeemer um, that I know other schools struggle to get to that level. What I wanted um, Julian to speak about quickly, and it comes under this topic of working smarter, not harder, um, is I've always been impressed by how he manages his Facebook content. It's engaging, it's constant, um, and yet there's only one of him. There is not a marketing team, there is a Julian. And I've um, long said that I think that this is something he does really, really well. Julian, would you mind sharing just what your process is? Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Suzanne. I think um, it it probably has been a, a little bit of a journey that's that's developed over a few years because I think um, if I think back to um, how we were using Facebook, um, I don't know, a number of years ago, and I think we were quite an early uh, adopter of Facebook. I think we just celebrated our tenth a uh, tenth anniversary online and Facebook. Um, but I think over the over that time, I think our staff have have caught the vision. Um, we uh, we did a project uh, a couple of years ago where we produced a virtual tour. We we did a number of um, promotional videos, um, and part of that process was talking to our staff and explaining to them what we were doing, um, why we were doing it. Uh, we um, showed them some examples of what other schools were doing. And they they caught the vision, and I think um, I think that was that was a switch for a lot of people, where all of a sudden they could understand why they were seeing me walking around the school with a camera or, or videoing things. Um, to the point now where I think um, over that time I've been able to train staff to to help um, help me produce or, or help me uh, uh, acquire acquire content, I suppose. So. Uh, I, while I do a lot of running around taking photos and, and video, um, a lot of my stuff now comes from from staff who who are, are proud of what they're doing um, and want to showcase um, what they're doing um, in their in their classrooms or in their subject areas. So uh, that's certainly been a, a big switch for us um, throughout um, this COVID experience as well. Um, the, the second part of that is that the students have finally switched on to that. And um, we saw it started with our college captains um, who were producing uh, video snippets initially for their own um, virtual online weekly assemblies. Um, and I, I looked at what a lot of the stuff that they were doing and I thought, this is just too good just to keep in house. So we started sharing a lot of what the students were doing um, into our online uh, sort of public spaces, Facebook and YouTube and, uh, and on our website. Um, and, uh, and I think that's kind of caught on as well. Um, and that's gone right across the college from the junior school, um, from our, our junior school student leaders are doing exactly the same. Um, right through to our senior school. So uh, it's just, I guess, getting people on board um, to, to understand uh, why you're doing it um, and making them proud of your school as well, because I think that's, that's the other key part, is that you want them to feel proud about what they're giving you um, to, to share is something that they're really proud of. Um, awesome. Thank you, Julian. Um, yeah. I just want to mention one other thing. You might have a really broad base for content generation, but there's a very narrow funnel for approval. And I think it's you and Tanya, the principal, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's very yeah. true. So there's only so that's why you're maintaining the quality of it yeah. as well. Yeah, and I, I'm a bit of a control freak, uh, I think, with some things like that. So um, I, I don't even really like um, giving permission for the principal to, to post because <laughs> I'm still... Uh, but we, we, we have a, a trust between ourselves now that we, we know each other's boundaries. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's great. Julian, thank you so much. My pleasure.
like I said, I've been watching um, that progress for a long time and I'm really impressed um, by he, how he does it. A question um, in chat from Lucinda and it's to Kelly um, at Maristash Grove. Um, the question is, Kelly, how are you staffing all of the personal tours? So the backstory to that is that um, in our little small group, Kelly mentioned uh, that they have pivoted from the five principles tours, which are obviously physical tours, and they pivoted to personal tours and they are overrun with them. That's fantastic. But um, Kelly, how are you doing it? So we have a number of people in our enrolments department, um, plus myself, I have volunteered, um, plus we also have an events coordinator and with her workload pretty much non-existent at the moment, she has also stepped up and doing those tours. So we're probably the main four people doing them um, and then we're gradually educating a few more people around the college who can then take them over as well. But it's, it's really essential that the people that we have really do know the college back to front. And it just happens, yeah, marketing events, enrolments, we are across a lot of things that happen around here. That's true. Um, I remember you saying that you were load sharing as well, like making sure that the same person didn't get run over. What I really like about um, Kelly's solution and what I think is really smart is that anything that smells like a large group and it might be perfectly manageable and you might have a great COVID safe plan in place, um, there's going to be a fair proportion of your audience that's not going to feel safe. So the personal tours allow them to keep it within the family. So that's really smart. Thank you for that. Hey, we're in the home stretch and I'm keeping an eye on our time um, because we do have a, a finish time of four. Um, and I wanna go into our final section, which is about communication. Um, I said I'd talk about crisis comms. So I might spend my time here and then just quickly go through my dot points before we go into polling. Um, we have prepared a crisis comms white paper and I'm gonna provide it to Sheila for um, sharing with all of you community. Um, it is a really handy guide to how you can guide crisis comms responses and generally your communication within your community. Um, there's a few things that we go through. Um, the most important thing is understanding that um, every single crisis of any duration, so um, COVID or um, a child being injured on a bus or um, a drug scare, whatever happens in your school, every single crisis follows the same narrative arc. So context, trigger, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution. And the time span might be different, but in every single crisis, you have the opportunity to be the hero of your own story. Um, it's important that you understand that in a crisis, that you are managing the neuropsychology of the event. Um, people in crisis, well, let's put it this way, people in a crisis, mass buy toilet paper. So while we might be the most intelligent, logical, rational people, um, the reality is that as soon as we are hit by fear or uncertainty, um, all of our energy goes to our prefrontal cortex. We lose our ability to think with logic because that's guarded by the back of the brain and the two can't operate at the same time. They have to switch um, and rational thinking grinds to a halt when we're stressed. So these are my big takeouts for you in managing crisis comms. You need to have a playbook for your big issues. It needs to be written and your whole ELT needs to sign off on it. So what's a playbook? Um, it talks about the chain of approval. It talks about your key messages and it's got agreement from everybody about what those key messages are and what you say. If you don't have one now, you need to develop it and it needs approval from everyone. Why is that so important? It's because regardless of the fact that your principal is the most remarkable leader you have ever worked with, their brain is going to get fried in a crisis just as much as everyone else's is. And the only way that you can communicate your way out of a crisis is with deep empathy, calm, consistent content. And that is incredibly hard to do in the midst of a crisis. So I would strongly recommend um, that you do develop um, a crisis response plan have a look at this white paper. It's going to give you some tips that are really relevant to now um, on how to manage your own 
crisis comms in the midst of COVID. So what else do I suggest? Um, what I've said here is to practice deep empathy. And I was really pleased um, that when I saw the iCenture um, white paper come out today, and I might um, give that to you as well, Sheila, to share. Um, that was one of the things that they said is going to be the mark of the successful marketers uh, in a COVID world. So tune your brand tone and language away from corporate and away from policy and safe administration talk, because I've seen examples of all of those in the COVID communications that I've seen from schools, and tune it to the five C's of crisis comms, and that is competent, credible, committed, caring, and capable. You cannot be too warm. You cannot have too much of an emphasis on tone um, of care and empathy. Um, the trend is towards deep personalization. And I must admit, um, as a marketer, I look at that and I go, seriously? Like, <laughs> how do you do that in the midst of everything else? Um, it's about entering into those two-way conversations. Um, it's about understanding what the person at the end of your communication really, really wants. And it's about putting yourself in their shoes and saying, how am I going to feel if I read this? You have to have, as a marketer, that pause and reflect time to be able to look at the content and say, if I am a parent of a four-year-old pre-preppy, am I going to get the comfort and care and certainty that I need from this communications? If you confuse, you lose. Absolute crystal clarity. Get your key messages right. Stay on them. Um, audit your channels to build community. It was interesting. One of the groups I was in actually mentioned this, um, that they realised that their They've got all their channels they've got um, for internal comms, they've got their emails and they've got their app notifications and then they realise that there's still confusion. Um, in this non-event time where some of us do have a little bit more um, space and time to be doing these things, that is a well worthwhile activity. Start by asking your community what they want and how they're experiencing it, don't assume. Um, define your... Audience with personas. Not every marketer is a fan of personas. I use them a lot for email marketing um, so that I'm matching tone and content and style to a particular type of person. Um, happy to provide you with some examples of personas if you want them, just reach out. I find them handy um, when there's a really complex uh, parent group or stakeholder group. And then because we are in this VUCA world that is making us feel uncertain, it's constantly changing, it's complex, stress is high, emotions are high. Practice deep empathy by keeping it really simple. You know what KISS stands for, keep it simple, stupid. So your brand strength is going to lie in repetition. It's going to be about certainty. It's about listening and responding, um, being highly personal and overall building hope. So our final poll. Let me go to the question, which is, what's the biggest goal for you? So this is an interesting one. I expect this might generate some small group content um, conversation as well. In the VUCA world that we're in, what's your focus? Is it on your internal comms, um, keeping a parent in the, in the school, or is it on building your external community and winning a new prospect? I'm curious to know where you go with this one. By bigger goal, let's reword that and say, where's your time going? Where's the majority of your time going? I'm not surprised by this. I think a lot of our efforts have had to go into internal comms, particularly every marketer got sucked into COVID comms. What's our work? What's our study at home plan? How are we going to do online learning? That was a massive, massive load on us this year. 60% um, are working on keeping the leads warm. 41% are on winning a new prospect. Um, all I will say is I'll draw your attention to the research that's very clear that says that it's far more expensive to bring in someone than it is to keep someone. So while we're always trying to fill the funnel, um, I think that split 60-40 is a pretty wise one in terms of retention um, versus attraction. Thank you for that. Um, Sheila, we are at five to four. 
Um, I'm thinking, what about if um, I wrap up and then we just stay in our small groups for some networking? Yep, no worries, absolutely. And how long do you want to stay in the little groups? Uh, I will leave that up to you. I'm aware that we're all very busy professionals. Yes. Can the link stay open a little bit longer if people want to linger? Absolutely, yes. Okay, great. So let's not do this, um, the, the discussion. Let me just say this. I'm going to give you a copy of these slides. But remember, we've talked about the change in brand loyalties, the need to be across multiple channels, to innovate with shrinking resources and to practice deep empathy through really great communication. If any of those things have raised questions in your mind or you'd like to know more, um, I am incredibly happy um, to talk to you on the phone, Skype, Zoom, Teams, whatever works for you. Obligation free. Um, I've got 20 years of knowledge in the industry. I'm across multiple schools. I can help share with you some of the things that are working. Would love to do that. Um, email me to book a time. That is fine. And I'm just going to wrap up by saying um, there's uh, some comments in there. Um, Christy had to leave. Thank you for joining in. Um, from Alexis and Emily, a few people are having to leave. Why don't we go into small groups, um, Sheila, and yep. just do some networking for those of us who can hang around. Thanks, everybody, for participating. It's been great. And thank you so much, especially to Julian um, and Lucinda, who agreed to speak. Really appreciate it.